in the time of the Greeks, the Greeks were already controlling Israel. They would make a lot of decrees, hoping that they would make decrees bad enough that they can then punish the Jews by selling them as slaves or killing them or whatever it was that they wanted to do to them. They were trying to find ways to trip the Jews up. Eventually, they said, you're not allowed to go to the mikvah. If a woman is seen going to the mikvah, her and her children are all going to be taken as slaves. So the women stopped going to the mikvah. And they stopped sleeping with their husband. The women daven to Hashem and they said, Hashem, you're putting us in a position where we can be with someone that we love or we can be with someone who wants to hurt us. And you're forcing us to be with someone who wants to hurt us because we can't go to the mikvah. This is Hope to Recharge. I'm Atana. I'm here to guide you and support you through your challenging times navigating through depression, anxiety, and other mental health struggles. Hello, everyone. This is a very short episode that we're going to record in honor of Hanukkah. I met this beautiful energy human online, Kayla Haber-Goldstein. She's so young, but in her mind, her wisdom uh, is of the elders. I'm in awe, and I want to say also a bit jealous of her wisdom. And we're starting our new podcast, Listening to Understand. And I reached out to her because I want to hear one of her big fights that she's fighting for others, for truth. And we're going to have another episode or two or five on that podcast, Listening to Understand. But I wanted, she gave me a beautiful insight on Hanukkah. And I said, let's not wait until we discuss the big topic that she fights for, freedom of women in the Orthodox community, Agunot, the fight for Agunot, which she is incredibly active and inspiring for other women and for history, to change the history. And she gave me an insight about Hanukkah. She also told me that she wrote this new book, Questioning the Answers. Oh my God, do I love that name, Questioning the Answers. Now, whoever knows me knows that I question a lot and I'm curious. And the name of her book, Questioning the Answers, says so much about who she is. It's curiosity about things that we are taught and we are given as, okay, this is the way we lead as Jews, as Orthodox, uh, we, we are told. And sometimes we have so many questions, but we're programmed. I call it programmed. We're like programmed from young, but this is what we do. And very infrequently do we see permission out loud. I know that people are saying, okay, you can, of course you should ask, of course you should ask. But when we really ask in pre-1A and kindergarten, first grade and in seventh grade and 10th grade, we're really quite asking very difficult questions. Are the teachers welcoming it or are they confusing us with a answer that's really not an answer? And I don't maybe even know the answer. Themselves. Many times, right? Many times they don't even know the answers. And I think Kayla did a beautiful job on her own journey that she was questioning the answers and she published the publications of her research. I think you should go grab it. We'll put a link in the show notes. But today, Kayla, hi, thank you for joining thank me here. Thank so you. So inspiring. I want you to share with me this beautiful story that you told me yesterday about the story of Hanukkah, what we don't teach in schools, but mm -hmm. we're not, we're not making songs on them. We hear about Yehuda Maccabi. We hear about the Pachashemen, the oil. We hear about the menorah, the light, the miracles. Mm -hmm. But are we sharing the story that is untold of really how 
the whole revolt started back in the times of the Maccabees. So I'm going to give you the mic and share with me what you learned in your journey. So I think all those things are important, the menorah, the Pachashem, and the Maccabees. But there was something that started it, and it was a woman. And I love this story because I think that women have such immense power to influence the world. And this story really shows it. Like It really shows us why we have power. So in the time of the Greeks, the Greeks were already controlling Israel. They would make a lot of decrees, hoping that they would make decrees bad enough that they can then punish the Jews by selling them as slaves or killing them or whatever it was that they wanted to do to them. They were trying to find ways to trip the Jews up. So they knew that the Jews cared a lot about privacy and modesty. So they forced them to take all their locks off their doors so they would have no security and they would have no modesty. Um, and the Jews did it. They just did. They had mezuzot. So they weren't afraid and they did it and they didn't put the locks on their door. And when they saw that this wasn't working, they're not able to kill the Jews with this. They made another one and they said, okay, you're not allowed to go to the mikvah. First, they said about the animals and they said they kept doing it and they kept getting worse and worse. And eventually they said, you're not allowed to go to the mikvah. If a woman is seen going to the mikvah, her and her children are all going to be taken as slaves. So the women stopped going to the mikvah and they stopped sleeping with their husbands. Wow. So then the Greeks said, yeah. Really? Yeah, they stopped sleeping with their so husbands. So it's similar to Xerat Paul. Right, very similar to Xerat Paul. And then very similar to Xerat Paul, the, the Greeks said, this is a waste. You're wasting all these beautiful women. So we should be allowed to sleep with them because you're not sleeping with them. So we're going to rape them. So then the men said, okay, so now we have to sleep with our wives because otherwise they're going to get taken and raped. But if we don't, our wives can't go to the mikvah and we don't want to sleep with them without going to the mikvah. So the women daven to Hashem. They said, Hashem, you're putting us in a position where we can be with someone that we love, or we can be with someone who wants to hurt us. And you're forcing us to be with someone who wants to hurt us because we can't go to the mikvah. And Hashem made a nace. And in the basement of every single Jewish home, a mikvah opened in the ground. Wait, and where's this story from? This I'm is, already this questioning is it. The, the mikvah opening in the ground is actually, there's a few sources for it. That's like a pretty common a pretty well-known miracle that happened, but this is in a sefer called Otsar Midrashim, which is a historical account of that whole time period, and it's and accepted everywhere. They quoted in Svarim and everything. And who wrote it? Quoted in the sefer Al-Mamuadim La'alacha. Who wrote the? Who wrote this sefer? Well, I don't know who wrote it. It was written by historians at the time. Mm. Wow. Okay. By historians, yeah. But I checked. I called my father. I called my husband. Ask the sources. <laughs> yeah. And they said, yes, it's legit. Yeah. It's completely accepted. So the uh, mikvah is open in the basement of their home. So they started going to the mikvah again and sleeping with their husbands again. And they no longer were able to be raped. So the Greeks came and made another um, thing that they're not allowed to get married. And it was like, it just kept getting worse and worse. And eventually what happened was, is that they said, um, before you get married, because they started getting married in secret. So they said, before you get married, a woman has to come sleep by the governor of her town or whatever place she's in. And then she can go to her husband, meaning that then there should be every virgin should lose her virginity by the governor. And then she can go to her husband. And this was an issue for many reasons, especially for Kohanim, because once she sleeps with a client, right. she can't sleep with a client. But in general, it was just, and it even says here, they would torture them. They would sexually abuse them. They would not, it wasn't like a nice, enjoyable night. Yeah. And this went on for three years. They actually allowed it. They would send their daughters to the governor and then they would marry them. And the Kohanim just wouldn't get married. And this actually happened. And then 
the Matetiao was the Kohen Gadol at the time. His daughter, her name was Chana. Now it's unclear if her name was Chana or not. A lot of times in history, they use the name Chana instead of the actual woman's name. So Chana is repeated a lot, but it doesn't necessarily mean it was her name. She was gorgeous. She was. The, it says that she was the most beautiful woman in the town. And she was meant to get married to Elazar. And at her wedding, in the middle of the whole banquet, there's it, it literally, I can read it to you, it literally says that there was like this whole feast and all the elders of Israel gathered because it was the daughter of Matityahu and Madal, the most famous family in their generation. And when they sat down to eat, Chana stood on top of the table, she raised her arms and she ripped off her clothes and stood before all of Israel completely naked before her father, her mother, and her father-in-law. Stood completely naked. And when her brothers saw this, her brothers were Yehuda and the the whole Maccabi, but they weren't Maccabees yet. When her brothers saw this, they were ashamed. They bent their heads to the ground. They tore their clothing and they stood up to kill her. And she said to them, listen to me, all my brothers and all my uncles, I stood before you completely naked and nobody touched me. Nobody harmed me. And this you're not okay with, but you're totally okay with me going and being naked in front of somebody who will torture me. And rape me. And rape me. She says, learn from Shimon and Levi how they defended the honor of their sister Dina and take all of this anger that you have. And instead of killing me, go kill the governor. She said, they were two and you're five. Yudai, Yochanan, Yonatan, Shimon, and Elazar. You're five and Shimon and Levi were two. Place your trust in Hashem and Hashem will assist you and go. Go protect us. Protect so wait, I want to stop you for a second. So she, basically she's saying I'm making, I'm mortifying myself and my family in order to break a chain in history that's really not Israel, right? Yeah. I'm doing something on my account on my um, she sacrificed uh, her own dignity and her family's dignity and they were kohanim as you said and Mm -hmm. she said i'm gonna i'm stopping this i'm stopping the assault i'm stopping what is not okay they were like lulled it it was in it's interesting because this is something that i spoke about last year was that a, a woman always has the ability to see like the potential the goal or the future past the darkness into the light which is why like we we have like pregnancy and all those things that we can see the future we can see the light and a lot of times men this is a stereotype obviously there's not a, this is a generalization but sometimes men can get just stuck in the like day-to-day in the lull and even if things are not perfect they'll be okay with it because this is the way it is this is the way well, it the is. difference women, between be not and that right be not right. is and women are like this doesn't have to be the way it is get off change it right, like, right. No, this is just how it is it's just how wow. it is and women are like no change it make it better figure <laughs> it out figure it. some unbelievable yeah. so what happened after she said that so she, they went she opened her mouth they were discussing amongst themselves what to do she opened her mouth crying to Hashem she said if you will not do this for my sake do it for the holiness of your great name that is upon us let us win this war her brothers hear her davening to Hashem and they said let's go and get advice they go to the their father and he says Go to the king and tell him, our sister is a daughter of a Kohen, and there's no one in Israel greater than our father. We don't think that she should be with the governor, but rather she should be with the king. Then they will take you to enter the palace of the king. And once you're there, you will kill him and leave. Start with his servants and relatives. Hashem will help you and you will get all the way to him. So he, they decide to fight, but they don't just run. They go to their father and they say, what should we do? And he gives them this advice. Don't kill the governor. 
tell the governor that you think your sister should sleep with the king because she's a such, she's like a high, she's royalty in Judaism. And then you'll be taken to the palace of the king. You'll be allowed in. And then you should then kill everybody in that house. And Hashem made a great salvation for them. And they heard a divine voice, a batkol, come out of the Kodesh Kedashim. And it said, all Israel, the young priests have been victorious against Antiochus. And they ran and they started the revolt and they won, as we know. And Yudit was the one who finished Ended it. the story. Ended the story. When so she the won. beginning and end of the salvation were the book ending. The book endings It are was not women. just women, but it was women using their sexuality specifically. Because that's our gift. Because that's something that we have so much influence over men with. And we can use it to save the world if we wanted. Similar to Estelle. I yes. want to say also Ruth kind of did that, right? So many Neshot Tanakh. Even Chava did it, meaning she did it Gnai. She did it to Nagod, right? She used it to, to tell her husband to sin, but she also used her sexuality. This was the tool at their exposure, at their disposal. disposal. Yeah, so that's what they used. And nowadays, we don't have to use that. We have, you know, we have that, but we can, we have, we have the ability to, we have something that, that the men don't have and we can use that to push the world to a better place women have a special right? even the women in Mitzrayim they ran out to the fields and made themselves beautiful so that their husbands would sleep with them so how do you explain it in today's world when a lot of the messages are don't use your sexuality your sexuality is not sanua, it's not modesty how do we know when it's right and when it's wrong and maybe it's what's the motive behind it What are we doing for ourselves? What do we want to be? What do we want to work on? What's important to us? How can we cultivate these small changes in our brain, in our day-to-day -day life with our own tools? I call working with me the VIP program because I handhold you through the process. And sometimes the process is very lonely and hard and frustrating. And you want to just make sure you get it right to guide you through it with somebody that went through it. Sometimes you need a therapist, a psychiatrist, a coach, and somebody like me, somebody that went through the same thing, the same challenge as I did. And I love working with people that are ready to do the work because it is expensive. It's a lifelong investment into yourself, into your future. When you start working with a therapist, with a coach or with someone like me, you're investing into your long-term stability, into your long-term mental health. People often ask me, can I work with you? How many times? What does it look like? And I say, it's not about how many times. What are you willing to do to show up, to work on yourself, to make the changes? How ready are you? Because if you're not ready, the investment will go south. You could say, I don't know where I want to go. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't even believe it can, but I'm no longer willing to stay in this position where I am now. Choose yourself. What are you willing to do to bring awareness to yourself, to your mental health, to your stability, to change? How are you going to impact yourself that you will impact the world? If you want to work one-on-one -on -one with me, link is in the show notes. Happy to answer any questions that you have. One-on-one -on -one with Matana. Schedule a free 30-minute consultation that we can see if you are ready. Be ready for change. Be ready to work hard. Be ready to see a different you. Yeah, I think that we have a lot of wisdom as women and we know what we're doing something for. So I always say this with Sneut when I teach about modesty, you know if you're wearing it because it makes you look sexy or it makes you look beautiful. And we know the difference. And we know if we're doing it because we want people to look at our butt or if because we feel like we felt beautiful in it. And I think that that's what's going to decide if something's modest or not. 
meaning you can have something that's technically completely modest, but it's very, very sexual and you're wearing it. it. It's all in how we carry ourselves. It's all in how we hold ourselves and how we act. And every single thing we do can be done in a pure way and done in an impure way. So they, these women did it in a very pure way. They did it. But when Yudit went out to seduce the, the general, she was excommunicated. Oh, she was? Her family. Yeah, her family was. Put for in generations? Jail. No, not for generations. When she left, they heard that she that she went to the general and that she was marrying him and that she was sleeping with him. And she was like, everybody was like, how dare she? Like, how dare she? Imagine today that you said this when we were talking on the phone, that go sleep with Donald Trump, right? Everybody was like, what the heck? She's right. Ew. Right. And her family was Pentachem. And then she came back. She she killed him and she walked back to Jerusalem. With the head. But they didn't see the head. And the soldiers on the walls yelled at her, Go turn around and go back to your new boyfriend or we're gonna kill you. The soldiers were dissing her, they were disrespecting her. They were like, What do you think? Who do you think you are coming back here? Leave. Go go to your boyfriend. Mm. And she pulled she held up his head, and that's when they realized what she did. And then she was a hero, but she. They, but they, but you realize that till then, uh, took the whole time. Yeah, and basically she wasn't trusted. She wasn't trusted until same thing with Yudai and Tamal. Until she held up the the stick and she said, "Who like whoever recognizes this, mm-hmm. come front. This is yours." Yeah, but she could have said, "This is Yehuda's." She didn't. She gave him the. But the, well, who would believe him? Her. My. Uh, but yeah, who would believe her when she would say, oh, I, it was Yehuda? Right, right, right. No one would believe her. They would say, Yehuda, how dare you? Let's kill you. How dare you um, speak these Accusing. words? Yeah. yeah like, uh, and, and I think that was his greatness because he could have really hid behind. Yeah. And it's also Hannah's brother's greatness that they could have just killed her and not listened to her. But they chose to go and to fight and do what she said. Meaning, is it interesting that they're both Yehuda? No, I think it makes complete sense. I think also Yudit, her name is Yudit. It's absolutely not even a question in my mind. Wow, fascinating. That's the name. Yehuda is the name. That's why our leader, like you said this yesterday, that our leader is going to be from Shevet Yehuda. David Amalek was from Shevet Yehuda because you have to have this fire, this lion. And fight for truth. Yeah, fight for truth, even when it's uncomfortable. A person who's really willing to do anything to risk their lives for truth. You sure, your name is not Yehudit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, but maybe if I have a kid, I'll name them. <laughs> because you are fighting for truth. So let's. This is fascinating, and I wanted to share this story that many people yeah. don't know. Or maybe people are going to listen and say, well, "Yeah, we know it," but I, I never heard this story, and it's fascinating. That's why after the candles, a woman is not allowed to do anything for half an hour. Mm-hmm. This is something I learned from my mom that for half an hour after the candles are lit, she would sit next to the candles. Right. I always literally thought that it was just like an excuse because that's when everyone serves dinner and whatever. She just sat there. But I for didn't. real? You thought it I was did. an excuse? No, I not her excuse. Not that she made it up, but I thought that oh, women. Made oh, this giving gifting show. a time, gifting time to yeah. a woman. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice. It's cute. We sit yeah. and we can relax while everyone else sits at the table. It's so cute. But then I learned this story and I was like. One second. No, the whole reason that we have Hanukkah is because of women. We are literally the reason. And then I started doing this and it literally goes through all the Chagim. Every Chag is because of a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a feminist. I love men. I think that they have something 
very special to give to the world and they have a very it's special not a power it's we're different and we but we have we, we each have something that that we have to claim our power because we have yeah it, we need to yeah so tell me about what we should expect in to listen to when the next interview will come up with your mission tell me a little bit in five minutes what your mission is when it comes to agunot and why it's so close to your heart so I work in helping to free Agunot both in the system that we have today and in changing the system so that it won't, we won't have this problem anymore. That's my goal. And, and people are going to wonder, is she an Aguna? No, she's not an Aguna. And she wasn't afraid of being an Aguna. And she speaks highly of her husband. And he is not one that she was afraid of being Aguna from. So it's that's not the mission. No. I never knew why I cared about it so much. I'll be honest with you. It, it, I heard about it and it struck a chord in my heart and I just I started fighting for it. We did an Aguna Asifa in August and we're, we brought like a lot of women, like about 300 women and very leading rabbis to see each other and to mobilize the rabbis, which we were successful in doing. My father got up and my father spoke and he shared a story that he never shared before and basically told me that my grandmother was in Aguna. You didn't know that? You never no. know before he got up? My grandmother passed away before I was born. Wait, you never knew about his personal story about his mother being an Aguna before he got up to speak for the conference that you were working on effortlessly for months? He didn't even know that he was going to share the story. He decided to share it on the spot. Wow. And because he saw the faces of the women looking back at him and he was compelled to share his, he, the reason he shared his perspective was that he was a child of get refusal. And he was sharing how when somebody refuses to get, they're not just hurting the woman, they're hurting all of you, they're hurting their own children. And that was his point. And he was saying if for, to the rabbis, if you're not going to get up and help them for them, help, help them for the children. In his case, the Lubavitcher Rebbe was the one who managed to get my grandfather to give a get. Mm. But he, I never knew she was in Aguna. I always felt very connected to her. I was always told that I look like her and that I act like her and that I sound like her. Mm. I'm different than the rest of my family. I'm very like loud and and proud and loud. And I have giant curly hair, which no one else, I was always different. And my parents always told me, oh, you're exactly like your grandmother. Exactly. Wow. Like wow. But I never knew that she was an Aguna. I never mm. knew. Once I found that out, I, I like burst out crying. It was like, all of a sudden wow. it was there to me. Why? I care so much. It was crazy. I didn't even know. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. So you're, so what you explained to me, so I reached out to you because for ever since I'm, I, I'm young, I think there was a, somebody in our community that was an Aguna and I never understood it. And it always bothered me that people just said, well, she's not allowed to get married. So what are you supposed to do? It was like that. What are we supposed to do? She's not allowed to get married. Her husband's not giving her the get. Like, what could we do? She's not allowed to. Like, what could we do? And it always bothered me that people are okay with the fact that Orthodox men are using power in the name of God, which is the so not godly, in order to abuse their women. It's not for godly reasons and not in order to be pure. And you even taught me that a naguna is only somebody that went missing it's not even somebody that you know where they are and just is but a get it's halakhically usher to refuse a get the act of refusing to give a get is halakhically usher so they usually know this and they usually play games i'm not refusing to give a get i'll give you a get if you if if this, if this, but the if never ends and even when they do everything they come up with more things and right. they, they play games they know how to play the yeah game. but 
not giving a get is a, a, a usser. If a woman asks for a get, you have to give her a get, even if it's because she does, doesn't like your face, that you have to give her a get. Hashem trusts women that they will not ask for a get unless it's absolutely necessary. Hashem knows that a woman will not break up her family unless there's absolutely no other choice and she tried everything else. And I'm telling you, this is the case. Women do not break up their families easily. They really don't. They really mm. fight. Especially if they have children, they really fight. Mm-hmm. And Hashem knew this and he made a halakha and the rabbis made this halakha that a woman, if a woman asks for a get, you give it to her. If a man wants to give a get and she doesn't want to accept it, you're not even allowed to ask her why. Like literally. So really, according to the Torah, the women have all the power in the marriage. Really, Hashem said it's equal. You both need to, you both need to agree to get married and you both need to agree to leave. Just like you both need to agree to get married, both need to agree to leave. But if somebody doesn't want to leave, there's a way out for the other person. But we don't do that. We don't. For some so how do we get to this aguno? How do we get to the get refusals? How did it go from what God put in the Torah to what is happening today? From the machshava, I, I would say even protection. A get is a protection, right? Yeah. A get was originally meant to be a protection for a woman. So that just leave her. Yeah. How did we get to where we are today? I think it's because there was a huge gap in history between when Agunot was meant for men who went missing and at war, at war, or or, or even you can't find a business trip on a ship and right. came home like right, there were right, pirates. Right. Oh, you know, right, things happen. Then we've evolved, and people don't just go missing anymore for the most part, unless it's October yeah. 7th. And the or and- let's say this majority of the people that are that we call agunot, which are really not, they're not they're trapped women behind get refusals. The, the terminology is not trans- the terminology is not used correctly. Well, right, it was transferred, but what happened was is there was this huge gap of time between when men were going missing and when men started abusing their wives in this way. So we had this huge gap of time, and all the rabbis who made the halachot for when a man is missing died, and then. You had the situation come up where men started refusing gets and you didn't have anybody who had the misora or had the connection or had the chain to just keep evolving. So we just have this like break in the chain and we got stuck. And Rav Moshe Feinstein tried to fix it and Rav Ovadi Yosef tried to fix it. The Chafetz Chaim tried to fix it. Like we keep on trying to fix it, but we don't have that connection, that link that makes it for a very smooth transition. So it's very hard to fix it. There are solutions, but we're it's just very hard and it's going to take a long time to, to work our way up to actually not having a gunot anymore. It's basically what you're saying is we have to break the system because the rules are in place, but the system is set up that the rules can take place. So we have to change the system that the rules that are set in place should take place and slowly we'll move the needle and then yeah, eventually it will be okay. Yeah, we have to evolve. I wouldn't say we have to break the system. I would say we have to evolve the system. Mm. And it's very hard to evolve when you're like missing a piece. So we have to reverse engineer and backwards build the piece that we're missing so that then we can move forward. Mm. We first have to build the step that we're missing so that it actually is accepted and it's foundational and it's in a good way. And it's hard and it's hard to be patient. And because it's hard to be patient, we meanwhile help women Within this current system, we helped them as much as we could. And Bar Hashem, two days ago, we got a woman who was waiting nine years. She she got her get. What yeah. a schut. Unbelievable. Wow. So in our next episode, we're go- I want to learn all about what you just told me in five minutes. I want to learn in detail. How exactly. do we get to the fact that we really have an agunot? What is the definition of a get refusal, an aguna? Why are men using their power to literally torture women? 
and not set them free. I don't know if I can answer that one. <laughs> how's the Jewish society? How's the Orthodox system? How are we okay with it? Why? How are we okay with it? Why are we okay with it? And what could we do to change? I want to hear everything that yeah, we learned go about it. This. We're going to go deep. I'm yeah, and, and understand. I think a lot of people don't understand the Mekorot, the sources, and they don't understand the Halakha, and they don't understand terminology. And maybe because of that, maybe when we, there's more understanding, there's more compassion. What we said sure. before, when there's knowledge, there's power. And that's what you're doing is really giving knowledge to people that want to learn. And on listening to understand, we want to listen so we can understand, so we could do better, so we can show up better in whatever journey that we're taking in life. And if Orthodox Judaism or Judaism in general is our journey, let's understand it better from yeah. the source. Exactly. If this is going to be our life, let's know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, let's know what we're doing and, and show up with meaning versus robotics and being programmed to show up in a certain way without meaning. Kayla, is there any closing words you want to share for an ins inspiration for Hanukkah? I think that when we light the candles and when we're sitting there for half an hour and we're making other people do stuff so we can sit, we should look at the fire, and this is what I like to do, is just really see how much this tiny little flame is fighting to be alive, and it's doing so much. And it's and we have this flame, like we have a fire, we can destroy, but we can also light the world up, and it depends how we use it. And for me, that's what Hanukkah is about, about like looking at these women who took their fire and used it to save the world. And what is our fire? We each have a, our fire is a little bit different. What's our fire and how can we use it to build and to light up the world instead of to destroy? Amen. Amen. Thank you. I, on behalf of all the Neshot Israel and Neshot Am Israel and for better generations, I want to thank you for your courage and your wisdom and your pursuit to truth. I'm excited for this new podcast. Me too. Bye till next time. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. Thank you for listening till the end. We highly appreciate all of our listeners. In Mental Health Together is better. You being here means a tremendous amount to us. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like some extra boost of information and inspiration that is not on the podcast, you can go to our website, hopetorecharge.com. There's some premium content that for the cost of a cup of coffee, you can download some amazing information that will help you, a tool that will guide you through life. So so don't skip a beat. Don't hesitate. Go to hopetorecharge.com and see what other offerings we have there for your mental health well-being. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you enjoyed this and you want to say thank you, the best way of gratitude will be by you leaving a review or a comment or sharing this with a loved one. There is no greater form of gratitude for us. Thank you. Bye till next time. Looking to reduce your anxiety and stress, relax your muscles, or get a better night's sleep? Check out Maxifies.com, 100% legal hemp, where you can find doctor-formulated, lab-certified, high-quality CBD oils, tinctures, and other items, cultivated, grown, harvested, and packaged in the United States, and available in different sizes and strength formulas. Check out Maxifies.com, that's M-A-X-I-F-Y-Z.com, and use coupon code HOPE to get 10% off your order, plus free shipping. That's Maxifies.com.